welcome to some more great Bible preaching from the pulpit of Capital City Baptist Church in the heart of Austin, Texas. Our prayer is that your relationship with Christ is strengthened and that you are blessed by the time you spend in the Word of God with us today. Open your Bibles tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I don't know how good the message will be tonight, but I know the thought for the message that I want to get across to you tonight will haunt you for days to come. It is a provoking thought if you're a child of God. Stand with me out of love and respect for the Word of God. The Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here's the title of my message tonight. Is God getting all he paid for out of your life? Is God getting all he paid for out of your life? When I was a little boy and you didn't get what you paid for, you'd say, man, I got gypped. You gypping God? What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? which you have of God, and you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Heavenly Father, I need your help tonight. How foolish I would be if I could think I could stand here and preach this message and it accomplish the purpose you would have it to accomplish, and I'm not yielded to you or filled with your Spirit. Lord, the best I know how tonight, I yield myself to you, and I ask you to fill me with thy Spirit, fill in the blank places of my mind, and help my lips to speak very clearly, very plainly so that every one of us can understand exactly what's being said. I'm not preaching to the unsaved tonight. Lord, I'm preaching to Christians, those of us who have been redeemed by the blood of the crucified one. And every one of us ought to think tonight about our life and how we're living it. Ask the question and answer the question Am I giving God all he paid for out of my life? Lord, I thank you in advance for what you shall do. Don't let one of us leave this place without feeling God's touch in our life and in our heart tonight. And help us to do the necessary business with you so we can leave here with the burden of sin and the burden of guilt or bitterness or anger or criticism or a wrong spirit or whatever it is. May we find a place at the altar and do business to leave it at the altar under the blood of Jesus 
and leave this place determined that from this day forth we're going to do everything we can to give you all you paid for from our life. Thank you in advance for what you shall do for the hearts that are touched and lives that will be changed. For we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. The greatest fact in all the world is revealed in this Scripture we've read tonight. We are redeemed. We are redeemed. We've been bought with a price of love, a price of blood, a price of sacrifice by God's own Son, Jesus Christ. Man is the only redeemed creature in all of God's universe. Man alone has cost God his life and his shed blood. Angels have never experienced God's redemption. In angels, there's an exhibition of divine wisdom, power, and goodness. But they know nothing of God's free grace and dying love. Only on the redeemed sinner is the divine blood mark, the blood mark of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Did you ever stop to think that man has cost God more than all of the, in, of the entire universe, all of His creation? Why, God spoke the world's into existence by the power of His omnipotence. He made the sun, the moon, the stars from nothing. God made all fish and fowl and animals. Again, by the power of His omnipotence. He did it by divine decree, and it happened. And then from the dust of the ground, God molded the shape of a man from dirt and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says man became a living soul. Now, not one thing in creation costs God one penny. Up to that point, all that he did in creation did not cost God one single penny. Thing, but to redeem one sinner from the condemnation of hell, God must endure the loss of His own precious Son as payment for the wages of our sin. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. God has given us free salvation through the death of His Son and the resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. He bought us, and He's given us, according to John 17, verse 6 and verse 24, He's given us to Jesus Christ. He bought us. He redeemed us. We're His by redemption and His by creation. And I say without hesitation tonight, we do not belong to us. We belong to Jesus Christ if we claim to be one of the redeemed. We are a love gift from the Son, uh, a, a love gift to the Son from the Heavenly Father. 
We're going to become the bride of Christ. We're not our own. We're bought with a price. The saved have been bought from the slave market of sin. The saved have been bought from the judgment of hell. And the saved have been bought from the failure of our own self. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. If you wish to see the value God places on you, body, soul, and spirit, just look to the old rugged cross and Christ dying on that cross for me and you. He did not pay one red penny to redeem fallen angels, but God gave His own Son in suffering and bleeding and dying as a ransom for fallen man. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirits. We have been redeemed. And I've got to ask again, is God getting all he paid for out of your life? Now, I don't want you to stop and think about old brother so-and-so and ask the question about him. You can't do anything about him. And I don't want you to think about sister so-and-so tonight. Is she giving God all God paid for out of her life? You can't do anything about her. I want you to think about you. If you claim to be saved tonight, I want you to make this very personal. And I want you to ask yourself that question over and over again as I go through this message. Is God getting all he paid for out of my life? First thing, let me say that God and even the world has a right to expect more from a Christian than from anybody else. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. When we say we are saved, that we're God's child, or God's child, we're claiming more than others, and therefore we ought to render more. We're not our own. God and even the world has a right to expect more from you than from anyone else in the world, any of the unsaved world. Paul reminds the Corinthians that Christ did not die just to purchase our soul, but every part of our being belongs to God, body, soul, and spirit. Even though these Corinthians were saved, they were not living holy, clean lives for God. They indulged in sin and wickedness willfully with little or no thought of God or His will. They tried to excuse their personal indulgence in sexual and lustful sins by saying that they were saved by grace and what they did in the body wasn't important to God. They had to be Baptists. Too often we act as though it's not important to God how we live, how we act, or what we think. But I want you to know God is concerned about every part of your body, of your being. You're a trichotomy. You're a soul and a spirit living in a body. 
When this body dies, soul and spirit does not die. When we got saved, when we got born again, our soul was saved and our spirit was made alive. Our spirit is that part of our being with which we commune with God. Up until the time that we got saved, we were dead. Our spirit was dead. We were dead in trespasses and sin. We had no communion with God. But when we were born again, suddenly we can have fellowship with Him through Jesus Christ. We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. God saved our soul. God gave life, new birth to the Spirit. It's made alive, and we can have a relationship with God. And one day when Jesus comes, this body is going to catch up to the rest of us. We're going to be saved. It's not your soul and the spiritual part of you that gives you all the trouble. It's this old body of flesh. This body of flesh affects the rest of us. That's the reason we need to knock it down every day. We need to crucify it every day. We need to die to our will, die to ourself, die to our plans, and yield ourselves to God's will and God's plan for our life. Hey, you do know God can do more for you and with you than you can ever do with yourself. I want you to know the fact that I'm standing here tonight in Austin, Texas, and preaching in this great church is a miracle. I came from an obscure place. I was a nobody. Anything that God has done with my life, God has done, done it. I can't claim it. It's by His grace, His mercy, His power, His blessing, His provision. God's concerned about every part of our being. He's concerned about our soul. He's concerned about our spirit. He's concerned about our body. That's what the Scripture says. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. These Corinthians thought it doesn't matter what we do in this body. We're saved. They separated the actions of the body from their soul and spirit. You can't do that. God wants us to gain control over the body and the desires of the flesh. And the way we gain control of it is we crucify it and we walk in the spirit. Paul said if we walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Is God getting all he paid for out of our life? They tried to excuse their indulgence in sin by saying they were saved. What they did wasn't important. And we, we often act as though it was not important to God how we live. But Paul brings our thinking back to reality just like he brought their thinking back to reality when he said, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are His. God and even the world has a right to expect more from us than anyone else. Secondly, I've got to ask the question in three or four different ways. 
is God getting all he paid for out of your life? First of all, is God getting all he paid for from your body? This old body's a repulsive thing, isn't it? Every problem I have in life is a result of this body. It gets old, it breaks down, it hurts. The only part of my body that don't hurt anymore is my left knee, and it's artificial. <laughs> Cobalt and titanium has no feeling. But yet everything we do for God, we have to do in this body. We try to act so spiritual and say, well, you know, it really doesn't matter. God looks on the heart. He does, but he looks through the body to see the heart. Hey, I can't, I can't just be so spiritual I pray out of the body. If I'm going to pray, I've got to bring this body under subjection and humble it before God. See, prayer is acknowledging my inabilities and my needs and His great ability. I can't go so winning out of the body. I've got to take this body with us, with me. Everything I do for God. You hear these super so-called pseudo-spiritual Christians saying, well, I couldn't be there Sunday, but I was there in spirit. So was their tithes. So was their service. Class went unattended. Bus route wasn't run. Nursery spot was empty. Place in the choir wasn't filled. Hey, when you're, when you're not present, you're contributing nothing to the Lord's work. When you're willfully absent, you're not contributing to the Lord's work. God wants you to bring that body and put that body in a pew, and when you do, the rest of you comes with it. Does it automatically. You don't even have to think about it. Everything we do for God, we have to do it in this body of flesh. It's God getting all he paid for out of your body. Listen to what God said. Paul said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. And he said, which is your reasonable service? And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God said we're to present our bodies holy. That's not W-H. That's H-O-L-Y. God is holy. He says, be ye holy as I am holy. Now, what does that word holy mean? It means to be godly. It means to be godlike. Now, let me ask you. Has anybody ever come up to you and said, man, you favor your father? I've been picking out the Hoffmeister family here because they all look Hoffmeister. <laughs> they do. They favor. Anybody ever accused you of favoring Jesus? Anybody ever said, man, you remind me of Jesus? 
You know, to do that, you've got to bring this body under subjection. You've got to present it a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, a sacrifice that God will accept. We're kind of like those old Jews in the temple when Jesus made a whip of cords and drove them out and turned over the table of the money changers. They were selling sacrificial animals there in that part of the temple. And by the way, if I'm not mistaken, that part of the temple was the area where the Gentiles lived. And they'd taken it over and turned it into a place of merchandise, and they were selling sacrificial animals only. They didn't meet the test of Scripture. They were crippled, one-eyed, old, those animals they didn't want. They're pawning them off on God. God wanted a holy sacrifice, a, a proper sacrifice. And God said, we're to present our body a proper sacrifice, a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, an acceptable sacrifice. Is God getting all he paid for out of your body? We're to keep our body morally clean. We're to work at making it godlike as much as in us is. You say, but preacher, we're not perfect. Holy doesn't mean perfect. It means godlike. It doesn't mean that we can be sinlessly perfect. It doesn't mean to live above sin. Listen, the only way you're ever going to live above sin in this life is to rent an apartment above a honky-tonk. You're going to have problems with sin because this body is pulled towards sin. This body loves sinning. It's the depravity about us. And if we're not careful, we'll be more like old smut face, old slewfoot, the old beast, the devil, than we are like our Savior, Jesus. Well, I want to be like that rock singer. God says you ought to want to be like Jesus. And you're not going to do that unless you bring your body under subjection. Well, I just can't help myself. Yes, you can. You don't want to help yourself if you're not yielding your body a living sacrifice. I learned a long time ago, we do what we want to do. I was driving down the neighborhood where I lived, and I saw this, this woman. She was an old woman, probably in her 60s. She was an older woman, and she had on her house coat, and she had one arm in a cast and one foot in a cast. And she was hobbling across her yard on crutches, and in her good hand she was holding on to the crutch, and she had a hoe. A hoe. Y'all remember what a hoe is? And I said, this is worth watching. So I pulled over and I watched her for a moment. You know what she did? She hobbled out <laughs> to a flower bed and she propped herself up on her good leg and her crutch. And she took her good hand and one-handedly she began to hoe in that flower bed. You know why she did that? She wanted to. She found a way. 
We do what we want to do. Now, I'm sure she wasn't a Baptist because she would have used her problem as an excuse to do nothing for the Lord for the next six months. I'm simply trying to ask you, is God getting all he paid for out of our body? God values us much more than the average Christian values our relationship with God. and He deserves the best. He deserves to get all he paid for. How a person compromises with sin in this body of flesh reveals our true opinion of Calvary and his value of redemption. Look at Jesus hanging on the cross. Our sin did that to him. And then we can ignore that and go on and live like the devil. No, we need to bring this body under subjection. We need to crucify it. We need to lay it on the altar and ask God to take control of it. We need to ask the Holy Spirit of God to fill us. And we need to give Him control of our body, of our life, our will. We need to give God veto power over our decisions, the decisions we make in this body of flesh. God deserves, God desires, God demands that we give him what he paid for in this body of flesh. Glorify him in our body and our spirit, which are his. Secondly, is God getting all he paid for out of your spirit? You say, what do you mean? He didn't say the Holy Spirit. There's never any question about the Holy Spirit magnifying the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's responsibility is not to magnify the Holy Spirit. You listen to these so-called charismatics, and uh, they'll magnify the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said when he comes, he'll magnify me. He'll magnify. You better try that spirit and make sure it's of God. There's a bunch of false spirits, devil spirits that are ruling over man tonight and instead of the Holy Spirit ruling over the Christian's life. Is God getting all he paid for out of your spirit? You say, what do you mean? It's not talking about the Holy Spirit. He magnifies Christ. He's talking about our spirit, our attitude. Have you ever met anybody that You went away and said, man, they've got a terrible attitude. I I seldom ever ask anyone, how are you anymore? I'm afraid they'll tell me. (laughs) And not only do they tell me, but as they get older, they want to show me the scars. Is God getting all he paid for out of your attitude? You know, we're, we're a bunch of Baptists with stinking thinking. Stinking thinking. We get self-centered, critical, negative, fault-finding, jealous, angry, rotten attitudes. And the Bible says we're to glorify God in our spirit as well as our body, which are His. Are His. God tells us, to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Filthiness of the spirit? 
That's not the Holy Spirit he's talking about. It's our spirit. Have you ever met someone and you said, man, they have a wonderful spirit, a sweet spirit, a Christian spirit? Have you met someone that said, man, their spirit's awful? And, you know, I don't look forward to being around people who's got an awful, ugly spirit. Listen to me. Listen to me. We only grow old one of two ways. We grow old and get sweeter <laughs> as we get older. Or we grow old and we get meaner as we get older. Which are you? Which are you? It's determined by what you do with your spirit. Who's in control of your spirit? The Bible says you are. You are. You're going to determine whether you have a happy spirit or a critical, negative, fault-finding spirit. You're going to determine that. And can I tell you, if we, if we do what comes naturally, we're going to have an awful spirit. The further away we get from our relationship with God, the worse our spirit gets. The closer we get to Jesus, the sweeter our spirit is. How's your spirit? How's your attitude? Critical? Ne we are by nature negative. You, you, let, you let the preacher and Brother Ben over here be talking together and you walk up and they stop talking and you walk off and they start talking again and you walk back up and they stop talking again. Now, what's going to run through your mind? They're talking to you about me. I wonder what ugly things they're saying about me. You don't think, well, bless their hearts, they're saying sweet things about me and didn't want to embarrass me. <laughs> We're by nature negative. You allow yourself to do what's natural, you'll think negatively, critically. You can see it in things we do in our everyday life. 20% chance of rain today. Any time other than a drought, that's a negative statement because it's 80% chance of sunshine. Hey, you go right down here and turn left at the red light. Last time I checked, that thing had green and yellow on it too. But the red is the stop, the negative part of it. We're by nature negative. And if we're going to have a right spirit for God and in our church and in our service, then we've got to work on it. We cannot allow ourselves to do what comes naturally or we're going to be sorry, mean, critical, ugly, hateful individuals. Have you ever met someone that's just got an angry spirit. They got hurt somewhere 20 years ago and they've got an angry spirit and that fire spews out on everybody they come in contact with. You know, it doesn't matter what the name of the sin is, whether it was immorality or anger or bitterness. We've got to deal with it as sin. If we ignore it, it's not going to go away. It's just going to fester and rot until it destroys. 
Sin doesn't get better by itself. If you're angry, if you're bitter, if you've got a hurt spirit, you've got to get help from God in dealing with that. It's not going to go away by itself. It'll fester, it'll rot, it'll become a cancer that'll destroy you, and you'll never be able to give God what He paid for out of your life. Is God getting all He paid for out of your body? Is He getting all He paid for out of your spirit? I'm convinced that the root sin of many sins in our Christian circles is a rotten spirit, a bad spirit, a hurt spirit. Remember when King David should have been at battle but came home, went on his balcony and took a look at this beautiful lady down there taking a bath, lusted after her, had her brought to him, committed adultery with her. Awful sin. The apple of God's eye. The man after God's own heart. Sinned. Terrible sin. Resulted in the loss of a little baby. Dying. And it was at that gravesite, in connection with the death of the baby, David repented. And God wrote it down for us in Psalm 51. And in his repentant prayer, he said, Create a right spirit within me. Talking about a clean heart and a right spirit. A right spirit. I wonder if the root cause of his sin was a bad spirit. A spirit that he'd never dealt with, never gotten right with, and it resulted in other sins and greater sin. What is there in your body or in your spirit tonight that hinders you from being what God wants you to be? You, you can't expect to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and live in the flesh to please the flesh. You can't carry around a rotten spirit, an angry spirit, a bitter spirit, and expect God to fill you and empower you with His Holy Spirit. Is God getting all He paid for out of your spirit? I raise a garden every year. I, I love to garden. I said when I was a kid on the farm, if I ever get off the farm, I'm never going to plant anything again. But all of a sudden, I wanted to see something grow and produce fruit, and I... I garden. I have a garden in my backyard, and I raise a garden every year. And can I dis- tell you what I discovered? It's a lot easier to raise weeds than vegetables. <laughs> you don't have to do a thing to raise weeds. They just grow automatically. You don't even have to water them, and they flourish. But if you're going to grow vegetables, you've got to work hard at keeping the weeds cut down and the fertilized and watered. and You don't have to do anything to have a rotten spirit. But if you're going to have a right, right spirit that God can use and that honors God, you're going to have to work hard at it. You're going to have to dig the weeds up. You're going to have to deal with the anger and bitterness and hurt, unforgiveness. I preached on, on forgiveness this woman came out and said, I'll tell you, I'm not going to forgive my father. You don't know how ugly he was to me and what he did to me. 
I'm not going to forgive him. I said, lady, you're dumber than rocks. I love that statement. I said, lady, you're dumber than rocks. Don't you know forgiveness is for your benefit, not for his? Forgiveness brings about healing in your own heart and your own spirit. I've got to move on. Is God getting all he paid for out of your body? Is he getting all he paid for out of your spirit? Is he getting all he paid for out of your service? God did not save us to see it. God saved us and left us here to serve him. He has given us spiritual gifts And as we walk in the Spirit, He produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. And the spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit are given to us to enhance our service for God, to make us effective in our service for God. Is God getting all He paid for out of your service? God has a will for your life. Are you fulfilling it? Some of you have Sunday school classes. Is God getting all he paid for out of your service to him through that Sunday school class? Do you study your lesson properly? Do you pray for your students? Do you visit them, call them? Do they know you love them? Or do you do just as little as you can get by with and get through Sunday and maintain a class? Is God getting all he paid for out of your service. I've discovered a long time ago that many Christians serving God, pastors, evangelists, missionaries, Sunday school teachers, bus workers, ushers, and so on, find out how close we can get to the line where we just barely do what's expected of us. And we walk there instead of getting way over here and doing what's expected and doing more. Is God getting all he paid for out of your service? You do know you're going to have to give an account to God one day. You say, but that's not what I want to do with my life. Maybe God's put you there for some training, and if you're not going to be faithful and successful doing the little job, What right do you have to think he's going to give you a bigger job, a greater responsibility? I see young men that are on church staffs, and they're useless. And they're waiting for God to promote them to the pastorate. God's not blind. He's not dumb. He's not stupid. If you sit down on your job in a secular job and don't do your job, they're not going to promote you and give you a raise unless you're in a union. (laughs) Sorry. And yet we think we can do as little as we can get by with in the Lord's service, and God's still going to bless us. No, He's going to judge us at the judgment seat of Christ. He's not proud of us for that. If God's called you, He wants you to start where you are and do your best. Your best. Not as little as you can get by with, but your best. 
I told the Bible college students this morning, the greatest lesson I ever learned is this. God didn't expect me to be the best or the first or number one or the biggest or the most handsome or the most intellectual or the most anything. God's not going to compare me to anybody else. But God does expect me to do my best. And here's what I learned. I learned my best is good enough for God no matter how poor it might be. God expects me to give Him my best. He knows my best. He knows when we're fudging on God, when we're jipping God. He wants us to give Him our best. My best is always good enough for God no matter how poor it is. Less than my best is never good enough for God no matter how good it is. He just wants our best. Is God getting all He paid for out of your service? And then, let me ask quickly, and I'm trying to finish this. Is God getting all He paid for from your love life? You say, what do you mean, preacher? I'm talking about your love relationship to Him. All of God's creation was created for man, but God created man for Himself. God created man as an object that God could love and man could return that love to God. He created us as an object of fellowship and love, of worship. And God expects to be first love in our life. God says, Son of man, give me thine heart. God said, Lovest thou me more than these? God charged the church at Ephesus, a good church, but he said, I've got something against you because you have left your first love, not lost it, left it. In Luke 10, 27, Christ said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Is, Jesus, is God getting all he paid for out of your love life? Are you loving him like God asks you to love him? Or is God having to battle for a place in your heart and in your life? Well, let me finish. There's some facts we need to consider when we don't get all we paid for. Have you ever bought something you didn't get all you paid for out of it? First thing, I want you to know it just doesn't work right. It, it's not functional. It's defective. I had a friend buy a desk and a chair at, at a bargain basement sale. All sales final, no refunds. He got it home. He opened it up. The desk was nice, but the chair only had three legs. He did everything he could to try to use that chair. He tried to balance on the three legs, but he'd get to studying and he'd tip over. He got books out of his bookcase and stacked them under the missing leg, and then he couldn't pull it up under his chair. He didn't get what he paid for. It didn't work right. You know why Christians don't work right today? Why Christians are not functional? They're not giving God all they 
that he paid for out of their life. Secondly, when you don't get all you paid for, it could be dangerous. I bought my children a swing set one time, large swing set. Gave it to them at Christmas. Huge thing. Had everything on it. Swings, slides, trapeze, teeter-totter, and on and on. And I was going to give it to them for Christmas morning, and I was putting it together in the, about 11 o'clock at night, and it was sleeting. And I got it all together. Had several pieces left over. They'd given me too much. <laughs> but I finally got it all together, and I noticed that there's a part missing. There was two guide bars that were supposed to guide the teeter-totter when it went back and forth. And the guide bars were missing. And that teeter-totter would flop over here and flop over here, and it hit the swings, and then it hit the legs, and I finally took it off. I didn't get what I paid for, and it was dangerous. I was afraid one of my girls was going to get a leg or an arm broken. The most dangerous thing to the testimony of a church or to the cause of Christ is a Christian that's not giving God all he paid for out of their life. And then may I say it's bad advertising. It's bad advertisement. Remember back in the 80s, oil crunch, and they was trying to get as many people to go to diesel as possible? General Motors had a nosemobile, V8 automobile, and they converted the gasoline engine to a diesel engine. Any of y'all remember that? I do. It didn't work. Those things, that people would buy them, and they were on the side of the road. They was in the shop. They couldn't fix them. One passed me, or I passed it on the side of the road, rather, and it had lemons painted all over it. Lemons stuck on the antenna. You know what they were doing? They were saying, I didn't get what I paid for. And it was bad. Hey, they took them off the market. It was bad advertisement. It's bad advertisement for a church and for the cause of Christ when we as Christians don't give God what he paid for. You know the greatest hindrance to your youth department? A young person that's not giving God all he paid for. You know what the greatest hindrance to your, your adults? An adult that's not giving God all he paid for. Bad advertisement. And then lastly, when we don't get all we paid for for something, we don't take that item and put it in a place of honor and prominence. We throw it in a garbage box. We didn't get all we paid for. When I was a high school student, we lived, I rode the bus to Wills Point and uh, to go to school every day and rode it home. And every first Monday in Van Zandt County, in the county seat, Canton, they had what's called First Monday. They call it Trades Days now. It's been going over on for more than a hundred and some odd years. And oh, it was a big thing. I'd hear my daddy and my uncles talk about going to First Monday and trading something, trading up, coming home with a horse or a gun or a hunting dog. And, man, I loved to go to First Monday. So I had it planned out in my mind. 
I'm going to ride the bus to school, get off the bus, go around the bus, go out to the highway, hitchhike to Canton, and go to First Monday. I had my quarter in my pocket for my lunch money, and I said, I'll use that quarter to buy something, and I'll start trading up. And I thought, man, I'm going to go home with a 22 rifle, a good squirrel dog or something. And I had it all in my mind. I went all over that place. I couldn't find a thing for a quarter. Dejectedly, I started walking toward the highway to go home. I'd hitchhike back to Myrtle Springs and walk a mile and a half to my house. And as I walked around the corner there by Eubanks Hardware Store, a man was in the back of a pickup, and he had a clothes hanger around his neck and no microphone taped to it. And he was saying, get your, get your socks here. Six pair of socks for a quarter. Man, I heard that. My eyes lit up. I said, six pair of socks for a quarter. I'd never had six pair of socks at one time in my life. And I said, besides that, Mama's going to find out that I went to first Monday and didn't go to school, and she's going to beat the daylights out of me. Maybe if I buy those six pair of socks, she won't be so hard on me. So I said, I want that sack right there. They were all in little paper bags, and they were folded over and stapled. And I said, I want that bag right there. I gave him my quarter. I got my six, bag, uh, six pair of socks in the bag. Couldn't wait. Got out on the highway, and I tore that thing open, and I pulled them out. And sure enough, I had six pair of socks. The only thing, the top of some of them were about that long. The feet were that long. On the others, the top was that long and the feet were about that long. Out of six pair of socks, I couldn't wear one sock. I didn't get what I paid for. And I went home, went in the front door, went out on the back porch. Mama had an old rag bag box over there, and I threw those six pair of socks in the rag box. I wonder... How many of us God's going to throw in his rag box because we're not giving him all he paid for out of our life? The greatest fear of the Apostle Paul was that having preached others, he would become a castaway. I ask you, are you giving God all he paid for out of your life? He deserves that first place. He deserves a right spirit. He deserves worship from a heart that's sweet and clean and committed. He deserves a body that is serving him and giving him what he paid for and more than he paid for. Are you? Are you? If you're not giving God all he paid for, don't ever expect God to promote you. What? You're not your own. We've been bought with a price. Therefore, we're to glorify God in our body and our spirit which are his. I ask you one last time tonight, is God getting all he paid for out of your life? There's got to be a time in every one of our lives that we're willing to fall on our face before Almighty God and dedicate ourselves to him, surrender our will, our all to him, and then get up and live every day determined 
to give him what he paid for out of our life. Father, that's our message tonight. Speak to our hearts. Help us to answer that question about our own life. Am I giving you all you paid for out of my life? We were nothing. We were on our way to hell. We were failures. We were hopelessly lost. We faced an eternity without hope and without God. And you came down to where we are and took on your self, the body of flesh, and allowed yourself to walk for 33 years in this old polluted world to be tempted in all points as we are tempted. And without ever one time sinning, without any mark or blot on your testimony, without one sin to your credit, you were taken and nailed to a no rugged cross. And there on that cross, God poured out His wrath against my sin. And He did it on you because you became sin for us. And there you purchased our redemption. There you gave us life everlasting in heaven, a home to look forward to, and a life worth living till we get home in heaven. How dare us not to give you all you paid for out of our life. Help us to look tonight for just a few moments and ask that question about our individual life. God, am I giving you what you paid for out of my life? And Father, let's do business. Let us do business with you tonight that we might deal with those areas that hinder us from being what you want us to be. Speak to our hearts. We certainly hope that you've enjoyed this message today, but more importantly, we hope that the Lord has challenged you in some way to grow in your Christian life. For more information about our church, including directions and times of services, please visit our website at www.capitalcitybaptist.org.